Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20. We'll be in verses 17 through 38. You can find it on your pew Bible in page 1105. Again, that's Acts 20, 17 through 38. Hear now the word of God. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to, to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish the course of my ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken, that they will not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Here ends the reading of the word of God. Let us give thanks to God and go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. This morning, I also want to go to another scripture found in your Bibles, and you're free to turn with me to the 
Paul's second letter to Timothy, and we'll be in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Now, when Paul writes his second letter to Timothy, Paul is soon to be martyred. He's imprisoned, most likely in Rome, and Timothy is one of the elders in Ephesus. And so he writes to him these words at the end of his letter. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In both scriptures this morning, we get a farewell from Paul. One to the entirety of the elders in Ephesus and the other to his friend and co-laborer in Christ and elder in the church in Ephesus, Timothy. The scripture we read in Timothy that we hear from Paul is one that may be familiar to us as we recall hearing it most often at a celebration of life or a memorial service. For a faithful servant who had gone on to be in the glory of the presence of God. And in it, we hear verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And what stands for all of us is the question. How do we fight the good fight? How do we finish the race well? I believe in Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders, he tells us exactly how to fight the good fight. How it is we can finish the race well as Christians. In it, Paul lays out what it means for the church, what it means for pastors and preachers, what it means for elders in the church and what it means for all believers. See, in verses 18 through 21 in Acts, Paul describes his good fight. Paul describes the race that he ran while with them in Asia. He says, I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and tears with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul describes his ministry among the people in Asia, we hear him describe the priorities for Christ's church. He tells us how to run this race well. In verse 19, he says, with humility and tears. He tells us exactly what it is during this race we are to be doing. He says, declaring and teaching. 
And he tells us exactly where we are to go to declare and to teach. He tells us in public and from house to house. He tells us that he goes to both Jews and Greeks. That we would go to all the world. And most importantly, telling them, declaring, teaching, repentance to God and faith in Jesus Christ. These are the priorities Paul lays out for Christ's church. While he describes his good fight in the race that he has run, in his final address to the Ephesian elders, we can learn from it that the church is to go into all of the community, to everyone, both in public and in private, in churches, in town squares, and in our neighbor's homes, and in our backyard around a grill. And while we're there, we are to declare and to teach repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And we do so not with arrogance and brashness, but with humility and tears, with grace and love, the same as he did with us when we were needy of that grace. That's how the church finishes the race well. And he goes on, and as he's telling these elders of Ephesus, we see two things that he lifts up that are particular to preachers and and pastors. And it begins in verse 22, where he says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul didn't have to get back on that boat. Paul could have avoided the suffering that was coming his way. He could have avoided the imprisonment. He could have fleed from the situation. But Paul lifts up to the pastors and preachers who have been given a ministry to proclaim the grace of God and the good news of Jesus Christ to not shrink from suffering. That Paul valued sharing the true gospel of Jesus Christ more than he feared any punishment or valued his own life for the value of telling another person about Jesus Christ was more important. For Paul felt not only indebted to God for the grace he received, but felt indebted to all fellow humans to let them know of what Jesus has accomplished. And we remember, this is the same Paul who tells the Corinthians, who tells the Galatians, do not boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. Suffering will come your way. But the cross of Christ promises eternal glory with the Father in heaven. Second, 
as he continues on in his farewell speech, in verse 27, we read, verse 26 and 27, he goes, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul didn't pick and choose which parts of the gospel to teach. He didn't shy away from teaching repentance and calling out sin for fear of upsetting people. We know this because Paul was run out of almost every town he preached in. Paul preached the whole counsel of God. And I'll confess to you that there was a time that I did not. And in 2014, as I was preparing a study on the Sermon on the Mount, as I was the pastor in Texas, in my study, right after Jesus talks about salt and light, he talks about fulfilling the law, and there he says, therefore, if you relax even one of my commands or teach another to relax even one of my commands, you shall be called least of these. This shook me to my core. I was convicted in that moment. See, up until then, I had held a belief that the scripture was good and useful, but not all of it was equally important. And so not all of it was needed for teaching. But here in that moment in my own study, the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. And so I closed my Bible, put it on a shelf, and went and bought a new one. A new one that didn't have study notes, that wasn't academic in nature, but one that I could read and hear the entire word of God. And as I read through it, again, the Holy Spirit led me to the prophet Ezekiel in his 33rd chapter where he says this. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take Warning, his blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. And Paul gives the advice to not shrink from suffering and teaching the whole counsel of God to pastors and preachers. It's because though we stand in front of congregations, we are not called to preach what is pleasing and tickling to your ears. We're called to preach the truth found in Scripture, the good news of Jesus Christ, the call for us from our sin to repentance, which is tough, it's hard, it's awkward conversations. But we're called to do so 
Because if we fail to blow the trumpet, the whole counsel of God, because we were afraid of suffering, we were afraid of losing a job, we were afraid of a nasty email that might come our way, then if one person fails to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because of this, their blood rests on our hands. That's why Paul says, none of the blood of those in Ephesus rest on his hands. He says, I'm innocent of it all, for I taught the whole counsel of God. Faith, repentance, baptism, the Holy Spirit, the grace, the love, the kindness, the self-control, the joy, the peace, the patience. He taught the dangers of the flesh, the anger, the immorality, the licentiousness. Paul didn't mince words because he knew it had eternal consequences. So Paul warns preachers and pastors Don't shrink from it. Lift up the word of God and whatever comes your way, imprisonment, suffering, loss of friends, know that you have run the race well. And then as Paul continues in this farewell address, he has notes for the elders to take. In verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Elders, take care of yourself and your flock. These are the people God has entrusted you with to oversee them, to be on alert and guard against wolves from within and from outside. See, elders are more than just a title given in a church, more than just performing and leading in worship. Scripture lifts up the role of elders to care for the flock, to oversee the flock, and to hold all accountable who teach and preach the word of God to the truth found in Scripture. See, the elders are called to hold the likes of Chris and I responsible for what we preach. For if we started preaching things that tickled your ears, leading you away from what Scripture proclaims, we are no different than a wolf who is leading you to slaughter. But God has given you elders to oversee you and to guard against wolves who may come and try and devour you. And then he also tells the elders in the words of Jesus, 
It's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. For elders are not only to oversee the flock and be on the lookout for wolves within and without, but elders are to be caring, to be giving of themselves and to bear the burdens of the flock. And brothers and sisters, I can tell you, your elders do that. For three and a half years now, I have watched as your elders have gathered to pray on your behalf. When you have made the request, when you have made mention of your worries and anxieties, of your celebrations, the elders celebrate with you and sing the praises to God, but they also fall on their knees and bear your burdens when you feel like you can't bear them anymore. Know that your elders still carry them to Christ for you. Elders don't just go over the prayer list and see it as a list of names. Your elders see it as the flock they've been entrusted to, that they bear those burdens with you and for you. This is the call of elders, not just to stand and pray in worship and pray over the elements, but to be spiritual leaders, guides, and burden bearers for each and every one of you, for the whole flock of the church. And then Paul addresses all believers. How is it all of us can finish the race well? In verse 32, he says, And now I commend to you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Stick to God. Stick to his word. Stay close. We stay close to God for he is trying to draw us near. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving God's love for us. God has done everything to rectify the broken relationship we have with him so that we may be close with him from now and through eternity. How do we finish the race well? We stay as close to God as possible. And as close to his word as we can, we stay close to his word. We stay close to the Bible because it will always in any season of life lead us back to him. Because his word points us to the new life in Christ, because his word shows us of his grace and mercy, because of his word declares his unending, undying love for us. Not only while we were yet sinners, does he prove his love to us, but the scripture also tells us that there is nothing, neither heights nor depths, nor anything in all creation that can ever separate us from the love in Christ Jesus. And in the Old Testament, God declares that he will never leave us nor forsake us. These are found in his word. To 
reassure us. You are loved by God. And in Paul's words here in his farewell to Acts, to stick close to God and stick close to his word because it'll build you up. And it will point you to the inheritance promised in Christ Jesus. Now go. Go on. Fight the good fight. Go run the race. And finish it well. Good and faithful servants. Amen.